You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. I'm super excited just to to get to share with you um, this evening. If you don't know me, my name is Cody. I'm the campus pastor here at Renew Life Church in Midland. Super honored just to be here. I'm glad to glad to be with you tonight. I just want to pray and ask the Lord just to continue to do what he's doing. Father, we just welcome you even more. Thank you that that we get to come into a place like this under and in the name of Jesus, and we get to experience what heaven is like on the earth. And so I pray that you continue to move as you will. I totally give you permission in any way, shape, or form. I give you my tongue and I give you my mind that I that would speak and think the thoughts that you want me to think and say the things that you want me to say. I pray that tonight we're blessed by your presence even more than we already have been. Thank you so much for coming in ways that you already have come. Our expectation, Jesus, is on you. All of this is for you, the worship, the prayer, the thankfulness, the gratitude. It's all due to you because you're worthy. And we thank you for these things. If you agree, say amen. So I wanted to just kick this party off a little bit with a testimony. How many of you love to hear what God is doing? God is interested in doing things again. That's literally what the word testimony means, to do again. So I'm going to share a testimony in a moment. If you need this testimony to manifest in your life, or if you need this testimony to manifest in the life of someone around you, believe it with faith and watch it come to pass. So this week, I, actually it was last Saturday, I was trying to get my truck washed. And if your vehicle looked like mine after the, the snowstorm, it needed uh, maybe two washings. Uh, and so I was trying to get my truck washed. And in Midland, Texas, that's a challenge to do, uh, especially to have a good car wash done, especially if you need them to come to you. So I found a guy on Saturday, I asked him if he could come. He said, I can't till Monday. I was like, perfect, we'll get on your books on Monday. So Monday, he's supposed to come. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. 45 minutes after he's supposed to be there, I get a text, or actually it was a Facebook message. says, uh, hey, got a slow leak in one of my tires, can't make it. I'm like, bro, do you know how many miles I've driven on a slow leak in my truck? I'm like, okay, we'll let that excuse fly this time. So I'm like, that's fine. Uh, When can you do it? He said, Wednesday. I'll be there Wednesday morning, same time frame. I was like, perfect. So uh, wait, Wednesday? He gives me a, uh, 10 to 11 time frame. So I'm waiting. Nothing. It's 11. Nothing. It's 11.30. Nothing. So I shoot him a message. Nothing. I shoot him another message. Nothing. Started calling him all these nice words on the inside and uh, still nothing. So I was like, all right, this guy's not coming. So I go on about my day, kind of frustrated. This is a little bit of, little little sour about it. And um, I go to the gym later that afternoon. I leave the gym. As I'm leaving the gym, I see a guy out of the corner of my eye in the parking lot, and he's washing a truck. And I'm like, oh, yes, redemption is here. So I go, and I'm like, hey, do you got a number? And he's like, I don't have a number. Let me, get, let me put my number in your phone. So he does. And I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm not calling you if you're not showing up. And he's like, listen, I'm the best in town. I'll show up. He's like a 17-year-old kid. He's still in high school. I love the fact that he was just so gung-ho about it. I was like, perfect. So he shows up like he said he was going to show up. So he washes my truck. He does a great job. And, uh, and so he's washing my truck right here in the parking lot. And he goes, what is this building right here? 
I'm like, oh, this is, this is our church building. That's our office. And, and we just start having this conversation. And I'm like, so you go to church anywhere? And he's like, man, I haven't been in a very long time. And, and he couldn't remember where he was at, where he had been, all of these things. And I'm like, well, if you've been to church, like surely Jesus is the Lord of your life, right? You know him as your personal Lord and Savior. And he's like, what's that? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Jesus, the Son of God, came to the earth. Like, I'm doing all of these things. And I'm like, and then he died on the cross. And he's like, yeah, what's that word? I'm like, crucified. Mm, that's what I was thinking, crucified. Like, he, he just didn't have any, he didn't have any grid for, for all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, so I just start backtracking. And I'm going to Adam and Eve. And I'm all of these things. I'm taking into the progression of the gospel. And I'm like, and then the best part of all is he was raised from the dead. And he goes, hold on. He came back to life? I'm like, yes, he did. He came back to life. He came back to life not so that you could just have life, but to have life abundantly is what John 10.10 says. And so we just have this conversation. I'm like, man, I would love to pray for you to receive Jesus. He's like, I don't even know how to do that. I'm like, it's, it's totally fine. I'll help you. So I lay my hands on, on his heart, and I just begin to pray. He prays. And afterwards, he's like, dude, I feel so good right now. I'm like, yeah, you just received Jesus. Like a miracle just happened in your life. And so it was amazing. I'm so glad I said this in the first service. I'm so happy that the first guy stood me up twice because God was actually setting this kid up for once to receive Jesus. And I just love the fact that he did it that way. And so anyway, I just, I wanna encourage you, be on the lookout for Jesus everywhere that you go. Be on the lookout when something doesn't go your way don't discount it completely because it might be going the way it needs to go for somebody else. When someone stands you up in a meeting and now you have extra time, he might be positioning you to do something in someone else's life that is far beyond theirs or your expectation. I just believe that God wants to expedite some things for people. Amen? Cool. I'm just wanna, I just want to, I want to share tonight on the church the topic of the church, the topic of the local church. I love the church. I wanna say that I love this church. I love going to this church. I would go to this church. In fact, I did go to this church before I worked for this church. I love the people that come to this church. I love that the people that come to this church go after Jesus with, with all that they have. I love the fact that we're a church that worships Jesus like he should be worshiped. I love the fact that our children are having an incredible encounter with God week in and week out in our children's ministry. I love that our leaders let Jesus lead. I love that our leaders actually want Jesus to take over the service. I love that Jesus leads this church. And if that bothers you that I'm building up my church in such a way, I, I'm not even going to apologize. I pray that it gets on you too. See, the local church needs you, and you actually need the local church. I don't know if you've ever been in a predicament or you've been in an issue or what I like to call an opportunity. You ever been in an opportunity? It was either one to learn or one to fail. I call them opportunities. But the local church oftentimes are the ones that come around you when you fall into a moment of opportunity. You need the local church and the local church needs you. I fell in love with a church 
shortly after getting saved. I got saved in April of 2005, and in in September of 2005, a church launched in Midland that uh, I didn't know anything about. Uh, I had a friend, or I had a family member that knew the pastor that was coming, and so I had just come off of being saved radically uh, at at a healing crusade with about 13,000 people in the room. It was just this crazy moment where I didn't really, I didn't walk in knowing God. I didn't, actually I walked in trying to not believe God because I was was convinced that the life that I lived was the one that I was supposed to be living. It was as good as it gets is what the world told me and and what my uh, previous um, experience had told me. And so I was in the room because I was challenged to be in the room, because the challenge was if, if you don't feel the presence of God in this room, I'll never bother you with God again. I was like, I'll win that bet every single day, watch. So that was a lie. That didn't happen. And so I'm in this room, and I have this radical encounter with Jesus, where he, he just begins to express his kindness and express his love to me in a way uh, unlike I'd ever experienced. It's almost like I was draped in a blanket that was tailored and made and molded to fit every single crack and crevice of my body. It was like there was this personal love, there was this personal experience with love with Jesus that it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And so I get saved and I, I find this church, I go to their first service and I'm thinking, I'm gonna go to this church and if they have Jesus there like I experienced in April, then that's gonna be my church. Because after all, like, what else are we looking for? If we're not looking for Jesus, we're looking for the wrong thing. And so I had this moment where God had done all of these amazing things and invaded my life in this, this in crazy way, which was, which was awesome. And, and then I'm, I'm fast forwarded to September in this moment of, I've never had a church, I've never been to a church, I've never had a church home, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what any of it was, but I knew that Jesus had done something inside of me. And I knew that if I could find him there, then that was my place. And thank God, I did. I found Jesus in a church. I found Jesus in the first church that I went to. Thank God that he saved me the way that he saved me. Thank God that he saved me after 90s Christian music. Jesus, thank you for that. That was a blessing from the Lord Most High. <laughs> and so uh, I knew I'd get Keith with that one. Um, but I'm just honored in the way that he did things. Because I didn't struggle with the church. I didn't struggle with what to believe and what not to believe. And they're too far in this ditch and they're not far enough in this ditch. Or they believe in prosperity and they don't. I had just met Jesus. And Jesus made himself so known to me that I saw miracles and signs and wonders. I, I saw people delivered. I saw people get out of wheelchairs that I was, I was expecting them to not have an encounter with Jesus. And I watched them walk out of the room like I walked out of the room the first night I saw him for the first time or met him for the first time. And so this is now the standard in which I want to live by. This is the standard that I want the church that I go to to live by. And thank God that I found it. Thank God that I found the church. And I just want to tell you, if you're in this room, maybe you're watching later on YouTube or wherever you hear this podcast, maybe later, find a church that you can fall in love with. Find a church that you can actually go to in person, that you could actually connect with on purpose. Find a church that knows you. That's a scary thing. 
Find a church and get around some people that actually become your friends and get to know who you are. I think a lot of times the reason that we don't want to go to a church or we don't want to get involved into a church is because we're afraid of intimacy. We, 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 we let insecurity leave, lead our lives in such a way that we're so afraid that somebody might see who we are that they'll reject us like everyone else. So we come to a church and we slide in and we slide out because I don't want to be seen. But actually, my heart's cry is, please notice me. He wants you to be seen. And I just want you to know, I want you to know this. There are some things on the inside of you that the local church actually needs. I think one of the things about church that makes it really, really challenging and when, when people are disappointed in the church is they come to church and they expect and they put their expectation in everything but Jesus. You ever walked into a church? I'll, I'll just tell myself, I moved away from Midland once and I had to find a church for the first time. I actually had to go on a shopping spree for the first time and it was the worst thing ever. I didn't like to have to try to find a church. And so went to a couple churches here and there and all of these different things. And, uh, and I was just on this, I was on this search and I was just putting my expectation in the worship. Did it compare to what I had come from? I put my expectation in the preaching. Did it sound and did it come out? Did he share, did he communicate with this eloquence like I had come from? My expectation was on everything. What was the children's ministry like? Well, did they greet me the way that I wanted to be greeted? Did they turn the sound up the way that I wanted them to turn the sound up? Was it too loud? Was it too bright? Was it so obnoxious that I couldn't focus? My expectation was everywhere but on Jesus. I think that that's why a lot of times we get discouraged with the church is because we have such an expectation, but we have an expectation on things that are flawed. There's no perfect church because, like I've heard many times, we're there. The moment that I walk into a church, the church just became unperfect. But we put our expectation in such a way on all of these elements that will always let us down in some way, shape, or form. And Jesus is asking, if, if you would fall in love with me and put your expectation on me, I'll show you the place that's for you. If you are one that would say, you know what, I put my expectation on everyone and everything when I go to a church, if it doesn't make me feel the way that I need it to make me feel, if the message isn't the way that I need it to be, to be heard, and that's where your expectation lies, I'm just going to give you this really simple advice. You ready? Don't do that anymore. <laughs> Stop doing that. Just don't do that anymore. I'm so thankful that I found a church and it was shortly after finding a church that probably two months that I started serving, I was like, okay. Jesus said that he loved the church so much that he gave his life for the church. And if Jesus did so much for the church, then I should probably start lending a hand as well. After all, I am a part of it. So I, I found a spot to start serving. It was like I started ushering, I think. The very first uh, time that I was going to serve, it was, the, it was the Sunday that daylight savings time ended in November. And I showed up an hour early. I set my alarm to be there an hour early. And then I was an hour earlier than what I needed to be. So I was there two hours earlier than I actually needed to be. 
And so I remember falling asleep and sleeping on this sofa in the lobby of the Hilton downtown because that's where we were having church. Just because I was like, I can't go home because if I go home, I fall asleep. Now I'm going to be an hour late. It was just this train wreck. But I just wanted to serve the church the best way that I could. I would set my alarm earlier every Sunday. I was just excited just to get to pour into what was doing this, this, this entity, this body of believers that were, were actually coming alongside me and bringing me to a place that I had never been before. I had no plans and I had no desire to be on a church staff when I started serving. There was no under, underlying reason for why I was serving. There was, no, there was no like, this is my end goal, this is my route, this is my fast track into ministry. Most of the reason that I didn't have that expectation is because I didn't even believe that that was something that I could do. I thought I was completely disqualified to be used by God. So that was nowhere on my radar. I just knew that I had found Jesus in such a way that I just wanted to give my life to anything that he was willing to put a stamp of approval on. And he put a stamp of approval on the church. Jesus, he loves the church. Jesus gave himself for the church. I remember uh, when, we, when we got a building, after we had gone into the, the Hilton, then we went into a school, and then we, we got a building that was downstairs from a gym. It was the craziest thing. We, in our youth room, was like right below where um, like the squat rack was and where the deadlift bar was. So you'd be in church, and, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden, like somebody had dropped some weight. Some meathead would drop the weight upstairs, and literally like everything would shake. Like, you could hear the treadmills, they were above the sanctuary, so worship's going, and literally, people are running on the treadmills and the, and the projectors are bouncing. I'm like, this is the worst thing ever, but this was, this is where we had church. And I, fa- I knew where the, the paint was and the touch-up paint, the paintbrushes were, and so I had this job that was, it was pretty free. And so when I would get done with, with, with a job, I would just slide into the church. I'd slip in through the front door, wouldn't really greet anyone, the way that it was set up, I could get through into the church without actually going to the office. I'd grab paint, I'd grab a paintbrush, and my goal, my personal goal was, I'm not going to let a, a spot on a wall or a corner that gets nicked go untouched in a week. It's not going to be seen, it's not going to be visible next Sunday. That was just kind of, that was the position, that was the ownership that I felt like the Lord put it on me to have for the church. I saw the church building and the church in general as much mine as it was the senior pastors. That was just the way that I feel like the Lord dealt with me in that. Jesus, Jesus loved the church. But our motivation for loving the church too has to be our love for the Father. It's got to be our love for Jesus. Our motivation and the reason that we do the things that we do for the church have to be unto Jesus and not unto being seen or unto hopefully getting a job or unto hopefully having this position or ultimately having a stage or ultimately having a mic. I didn't, I didn't want that. I was deathly afraid of that. John chapter 21, starting in verse 15, it says this. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
And he said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. See, this is after, after Peter's denial, right? We knew this. But Jesus knew that Peter, in order for Peter to withstand the call on his life to lead the early church, love for Jesus was going to have to be his motivation. Jesus needed Peter, and, and, and they needed to be on the same page of, Peter, you're doing this because of all that I've done for you, and this is your response to me. Lead my church. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, tend to my flock out of a place of love for me. It's this heart's position that we must take on when we're serving in the church. Because the people within the church will sometimes get you to a place where you have no love for them, or sometimes you don't even like them. You ever been in one of those positions? Don't raise your hand. They'll get you into a place of disbelief from humanity. But if we keep our heart on Jesus, we'll see breakthrough not only in us, but in the people around us. I love how Ephesians chapter 5 describes Jesus' relationship with the church. In, G- in, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, also, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Such a beautiful picture of this romance, if you want to call it, that Jesus has with the church. We think of the marriage covenant and the way that that a husband should love a wife and the way that a wife should love a husband is like the greatest thing that's ever touched the face of the earth. It's the greatest relationship. But but he's saying, "I, I speak to you concerning Christ in the church. This is the way that Jesus actually responds and loves the church. The church has a great value to Jesus. There's a way in which Jesus cares for the church. Notice, even in the scriptures, he he talks about how he desires for her to be washed and her to be pure and without blemish and free of spot or wrinkle and to be holy. Even the language that Jesus uses speaks of an edification and building up of the church. Jesus loved an unclean community of believers with such passion and purpose that he gave his life for it. 
an unclean body of believers. Our role in this whole thing is to do what the last scripture and that says, says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Obviously, our, our goal and our intention is to honor and respect Jesus. I don't know about you, but I know what Jesus has done for me, and so I live and want to live from a place of honor and respect for all that he's done for me. The second thing is that we partner with Jesus to edify and build up the church that he died for. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You've been given something that you're to use in order to minister to the church. You're, you're, you're meant to use that gifting for the people that are sitting around you. We all have a part to play in the church. We all have a role, we all have a position in the church. There are things, there are things on the inside of you right now that are stirring. There's a creative nature and there's a creative ability on the inside of you that is waiting to get unleashed. I'll share this last story and because I want to pray. Probably two months after starting to serve, way back long ago, like I was sharing, the children's pastor comes and she asks me, hey, Cody, I would love for you to lead the, the, uh, the offering message in our elementary class. And I'm like, you want me to speak with a microphone? Oh, you got the wrong one, lady. I was deathly afraid of this. In, in college, two different colleges, I went to the public, I mean, to the speak, the public speaking class up until the moment that I had to give my first speech. And then I just didn't show up. And then I didn't go back at two different colleges. I was deathly afraid to get in front of people and speak. I didn't think that it was inside, inside of me. And so she asked me, I said, yes, reluctantly. Yes, I'll do it out of honor, I think is why I said yes. I'll do it for you. I'll, I'll, I'll share this message. I don't even remember what I said. I know the kids don't remember what I said. They weren't worried about it. I'm sweating bullets over here, and all I've got to do is communicate to some kids that could care less if I was in the room or not. It was like my life depended on what I was about to say. It was like, if you don't speak well in this moment, you're not going to heaven, Cody. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It was like, dun, 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 and you're going to die. It was heavy. And I said yes, and so it went well, I suppose. And before you know it, she was like, hey, could you, could you teach this lesson? Could you lead this game? Sure, I could do that. So I slowly start working my way into this position, into like just helping and before you know it, I'm, I'm taking the whole class. I go from there to a lead teacher. I go from a lead teacher to, hey, I'm going out of town. Can you oversee the entire children's ministry, not just the elementary class? I go to, from there, and I start helping in youth on a Wednesday night, and I get asked to lead a game. Once again, I'm shaking in my boots because teenagers are even worse than elementary kids. 
Not worse in that they're bad, worse that they're intimidating. They just are. They just stand. They just stand there and just mean mug you the whole time. Like, you don't know nothing about what you're saying. Prove it. That's literally their thought. What's this joker know about anything he's talking about? I said, yeah, I'll do that. So then I just kind of became like the youth pastor's right-hand guy. He would go out of town, and he would say, can you lead the whole youth ministry while I'm out of town? Yes, I could do that. Up until the point where the children's pastor, the youth pastor, they both leave this church to go start a new church in Colorado. And before you know it, two years and seven months after receiving Jesus, I'm in full-time ministry as a children's pastor and as a youth pastor. And all of this happened you're like, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you this because the things that I didn't think were inside of me were, and they're actually on the inside of you too. I'm telling you this because I needed a leader. You needed a leader to say, Cody, can you lead a children's offering message? The local church needs you. The local church, this one wants you. Thank God for what he's done and thank God that his story for my life's not over yet. And thank God that he's brought leaders in my life to say, will you do this? I think you can do this. Hey, I think you could do this. Hey, I think you could actually, there's a lot of times that I don't believe I could do any of it, if I'm being honest. But if a leader that knows Jesus more than I do says I can, then I'm just gonna agree with him. I'm telling you there's something on the inside of every one of you in this room tonight that this church needs. Not only does this church needs it, need, need it, but the people outside of this church needs it too. But what better place than the house of God to make some of your leadership mistakes? What better of a place than the house of God where Jesus abides for you to get plugged in and maybe do some things that are outside of your comfort zone. Is Jesus gonna let you fail? See, I think that's the problem though. Lots of times we think, well, I can't do that because of a previous experience. I can't do that because I was violated by a church leader over here. I was misused by a church leader once before. I can't do that because of how I was raised. Moses had all of the excuses. Can't do that because I don't speak well. Can't lead the children of Israel out of captivity because I don't speak well. You'll have to find somebody else to do that, Lord. Can't lead a children's offering message because I don't speak well, Lord. You're gonna have to ask somebody else. Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. No, I'm too young, God. Nah, you missed it. God, you missed it. It's the wrong person. I mean, that is your one time to miss it, God. You missed it, though. No. Like God, we need leaders that come along in our lives and say, I know you can do this. That was where I was at, and thank God somebody said and held me to this place of, you can do this. You can do this. 
It's in you. The greater one lives on the inside of you. There's a servant on the inside of you. I'm not telling you all of these things because our children's ministry needs volunteers or that we're a our parking lot's falling apart because we don't have people to park cars. I'm telling you this with the hopes that you fall so in love with Jesus that your life is about serving his church that he died for. That's my hope. I didn't need to paint touch-up spots on the walls just to be seen. I was trying to create an atmosphere where someone might have an encounter like I had with Jesus. I pray that you would be one of those kinds of people. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.